Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm Hannah. I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her. And we are so, so incredibly glad to have you here today. We are really grateful for your time and for your presence and for the ways in which many of you have been experimenting with us over the last month in having worship and out of worship activities dedicated to the Folded Map Project. For those of you who don't know or haven't heard, the Folded Map Project is a really incredible project from local artist Tanika Johnson, who's with here today, I'm about to bring her on, get super excited, um, that seeks to bring people together across lines of racial, residential, and other forms of segregation and distance in the city of Chicago through Finding Your Map Twin. So we're going to hear more about that. We've been touring our neighborhoods. We've been thinking about what it means to love our neighbor um, and to love our neighbor as Jesus would. But first, I'm going to bring on Tonika to just give us a little bit of an intro and tell us what all the, uh, uh, this project is about. Hi. Hi. Well, I'm excited to be here with you all and excited for you all to not only learn about the Folded Map Project, but also to meet these amazing people who participated uh, through your ministry. So as people view the actual Folded Map footage that will explain the project, I want people to consider how they ended up living where they are right now who they spoke to and what people told them. So I want them to play back those conversations as they watch the upcoming clip. So get excited. We're about to show a clip that'll let you know about the project. Think about how you came to be where you are. And then we're gonna have a panel of church folks who did this project facilitated by Tanika um, so that we can really get into it. And then there'll be Q&A time at the end. So if you have questions that are popping up as you're watching, as you're listening, as you're feeling, Keep those questions because we're again going to engage them. So here's a clip from um, CBS of a really cool interview project that they did about Folded Map. Here we are. Our series, A More Perfect Union, aims to show that what unites us as Americans is far greater than what divides us. And this morning, we're showing you a new approach to bridging divides in Chicago. Neighborhoods from the city's north and south sides are banding together to take on some very deeply rooted issues. Uh, the differences between these communities, they are stark. But as Adriana Diaz shows us, together they are tackling segregation and the inequity that comes with it. Do you have any of those um, posters left? Yeah, I do. Chicago residents Nanette Tucker and Wade Wilson share a love of gardening and craft beer. That would be kind of cool. It would be cool. <laughs> They're like neighbors, sort of. Wade is called your map twin. Why are you guys twins? We're twins because when you follow the map, we touch one another on the map, north and south. Like many cities, Chicago's a grid with many streets spanning north to south. If you fold a map of the city in half, you can match addresses on the north side with the same block on the south side. You lived all your life never thinking you had a twin. <laughs> and now... Now I have one. <laughs> they live about 15 miles apart, but Wilson and his wife Jennifer live in the majority white north side neighborhood of Edgewater, while Tucker is in the mostly black south side neighborhood of Englewood. How would you explain the differences between both of your neighborhoods, which are essentially equidistant from the center, but worlds apart in many ways. It's very clear that neighborhoods primarily on the north side have had more investment 
everything from the street lighting to grocery stores and restaurants. It's plentiful on the north side and it's not here. It's almost like you, you feel a light come on at a certain spot when you're going north. And when you're coming back south, you can feel the gloom that's upon us in Inglewood. Curiosity. They met through Tonika Lewis-Johnson, a social justice artist who grew up in Inglewood, a community often in the news. Two mass shootings Shot on Chicago. in the head this afternoon. by shooting claims the life of a 15-year-old boy in West Englewood. Lewis-Johnson created the Folded Map Project, which includes this film, to change the conversation. She contrasts how the same street, like Ashland Avenue, they look very different. Looks on the north side, the sidewalks and the south side the maintenance of the building none of which have anything to do with gun violence only disinvestment Chicago's segregation is due in part to racist policies like redlining where banks would designate properties in minority areas delineated in red as too risky for mortgage lending excluding black Americans from a primary pathway of building wealth homeownership you have neighborhoods that are predominantly black that have low home ownership as a result of the discriminatory practices. Businesses left, so you don't have a business corridor, so therefore you don't have jobs. And now the schools are starting to fail because they aren't properly funded. Her solution, bring the North and the South together with MAP twins. It can feel so overwhelming to try to take on systemic racism, but you have found a way to almost chip away at it one person at a time, one pair yeah. at a time. Yes. Let's use segregation as the actual thing that can connect us. In her project, she doesn't shy away from uncomfortable truths. How much was your home? It was $61,000. And how much was your home? $535,000. You asked Wade and Nanette what they each paid for their house. You know, it felt a little awkward. I think the awkwardness helps people understand how we're all participating in this system that was created before us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't truly reflect how we want to connect with each other today. Frankly, we're privileged. And it's hard to sit next to a friend who hasn't enjoyed that privilege. We realize that there's an opportunity to actually do something. Wilson and Tucker are doing something together. Three years after they met through the Folded Map Project, with others, they created Englewood Renaissance, which is helping beautify parts of Englewood and is now focusing on increasing homeownership here. Creating a community together. The economics might be different. The neighborhoods might be different. But the core of who I am is pretty much the same as Wade and Jennifer. I want the same things they want. For CBS This Morning, Adriana Diaz. Chicago. This is such an important story. Yes. It's such yes, an important yes. story. You have the same street and the different economic values and why that's happened. And the difference in the numbers, Anthony. Yeah. 61,000 versus 500,000 yeah. plus. But it, it, it's a perfect example to show that story on the same day that we did the 110 project. Exactly. Yes. Because it shows you that it starts there. Yes. And that's why this disparity and pointing out the disparity. Because I know there are many white people who look and say, well, I don't have the privilege either. This is not it's, ancient. It's the, it shows it. it's not ancient history. No. Yeah. It's, it's, no. It, the, the legacy of these practices from the mid century are with us today, and yeah. they will continue to be with us because the value of these homes is the value of these homes yeah. yeah and the question now as we become aware of it is what are we going to do about it and recognizing that it is an issue 
yeah. is a major, well, major problem in as, this country. But as long as that economic disparity continues to exist, you will have these, these differences, what we're yeah. So much more than planting a garden together. Yeah. That's very lovely, but it's so much more than... It's so much more than planting a garden together. It is so much. It's recognition. It's action. Um, it's transformation. So we're about to bring on a couple urban village folks who did a sort of modified version of this um, with our church community, where we looked at the neighborhoods around our each of our church sites, because we're in a couple different neighborhoods, and then looked at the twin neighborhood um, of that place. And so you have developed a couple questions for those folks. We're going to bring them on now, Sheena Chow and Mike King. And I would just ask that um, Sheena and Mike, can you first tell the people who you are? Tell them what you're about. Introduce yourselves. Well, good afternoon. My name is Mike King, uh, he, him, his, and uh, uh, I have been in the 48th Ward, which is the majority of, uh, of uh, Edgewater, for some 39 years here. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I attend, of course, uh, Urban Village Church, Edgewater, and uh, enjoy my neighborhood, all facets of it. Mm -hmm. uh, hello, my name is Sheena Chow. I, I was born and raised in Chicago. I uh, have a very different story. I grew up in uh, Belmont Cragen area, so Northwest, and then I spent my high school days in Old Town. Um, and I currently live in Bridgeport with my husband and I attend uh, Urban Village South Loop as kind of, that was actually the bridge between when I was in Old Town and my husband was living in Canaryville, which is Southwest. Um, so, so yeah, so that's why I'm at South Loop um, and we visited uh, Holman Square for our, our twin neighborhood. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, your, your, your life and Mike's life already um, is embodying the folded map experience in itself. So it kind of leads me to my next question, which I already have an inkling of why, because you all are very uh, familiar with all of Chicago. I can tell already. So I'm just curious, you know, what made you interested and, and moved to participate in this project? But just let me say that um, going back, uh, we're originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and through Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana. But I came to Chicago after graduation from college at Ball State University. And when I came to Chicago searching, I stayed on the South Side, South Shore, and also in Bronzeville, uh, like uh, uh, South Drexel and such. And my whole thing about participating is that I enjoy the neighborhoods and the culture and the food that comes with it. But one key thing, I've always wanted to stay close to the lake. And for that reason, uh, the places that I've lived in Chicago since I've been here since 77 have been relatively close to the lake. And what about you, Sheena? Uh, for me, uh, multiple reasons. I guess, number one, I'll be honest, I was familiar with your work, Tanika. Um, I was part of an architecture studio at IIT, um, and you 
uh, with Inglewood. Um, we can talk about it later, but um, yeah, I know so, exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I was in the kind of the sequel, so the, that second semester. So I didn't I didn't get to meet you, but I heard all about um, the work that you did. So right off the bat, I was like Tamika Johnson. She's doing amazing work. Um, yes, I need to be part of this. Um, and so, and also, I'm an architect, and I, I love the city. Um, so, like at its core, I just I love the city, and I love learning more about it. Um, and and these are the types of conversations that I want to be a part of, and um, I want to be part of the change um, in the city. Um, yeah. So. And, lots of <laughs> yeah. No. I, I trust me. I have a lot of questions, so we're going to get deeper into it. But how did you feel when? First, Mike, since Trina, you already were familiar with my work, maybe you were surprised to hear that your church was actually using folded maps to um, build a month-long worth of sermons and um, activity around. So can both of you speak to how you felt when your church introduced this um, project um, and corresponding sermons to you. Okay. Could I say first that uh, uh, my short answer is that uh, Pastor Hannah asked me to participate. <laughs> and then my long answer, because I try to accommodate my pastors. And however, my, my long answer is that our family has some history in Inglewood. My great uncle and aunt uh, they came to Chicago in the 1920s, and somehow they ended up in Inglewood in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my um, great aunt, you know, she was able to live in Inglewood uh, up and through part of the 80s. And so I was always curious about that. And then also, it was a place where I had friends. And also, they have that uh, that 24-hour currency exchange and, uh, you know, where you can go when you need to cash a check or take care of something late at night. And during those late 70s and 80s, it was a place to go just to take care of some business and such. Uh, so uh, I found it interesting because I have family in Inglewood. And then uh, also, uh, there has been so much uh, here in uh, uh, Edgewater that I just enjoyed the whole urban planning, community development, and uh, I'm a student of uh, neighborhoods and such. Yeah. Uh, for me, I guess right off the bat, I was like, of course, urban village, of course, like this is kind of like the relevant, right? Our, our three core values are being bold, inclusive, and relevant. And I was like, all right, relevance. Yes, like these are kind of, um, the projects I expect and kind of look forward to and in, in our church. Um, I think um, like back when we did like anti-racism training and our, like I, it just, it made sense. Um, and, and at the same time, kind of overwhelming because we're first, we're adjusting to this period of being in person again and seeing each mm -hmm. other. Um, but as, as kind of the sermons have rolled out, it's been uh, really, uh, refreshing, really, uh, I don't know, just really good or like fulfilling um, to to really think about our neighbors in this way in such like a, a, a concrete, again, re like relevant, like very mm -hmm. like tangible, tangible way, like we can talk about loving our neighbor. But I, I really like that our church is like, no, we're going to we're going to go out and like look at our neighborhoods, um, especially 
um, in Chicago because Chicago, like our neighborhoods are like everything in Chicago. They're so detailed. There's so many of them. There's so many, there's so much there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you all. Once I found out that your church was centering folded map for like a month long of, of ministry and engagement, um, I didn't really know what to expect um, until I got the update. And I just was amazed at how powerful, powerfully creative and authentic um, your church, the pastors that helped facilitate and organize this was with being thoughtful, um, not only in sharing it with um the parishioners, but also really thinking through how to make this experience meaningful and impactful. And I had never seen, I have never experienced Folded Map expanded in this particular way. And so it really just touched me because I didn't think about how a faith-based community could use it to really preach the message of love thy neighbor, you know? And it's a tenet that not only uh, is throughout the the Bible, but also just in doing equity work, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really sometimes that simple. And to see the church encapsulated so beautifully, I just knew I wanted to be involved with the culminating event. So thank you all again. And and with all of that being said, Mike, you touched upon um, a key factor, um, which is, you know, you were curious because of your family. Mm-hmm. You're curious about Inglewood because you have friends there. Oh, and yes. so I think that demonstrates for people kind of the the value system, which I was hoping that Folded Map could help people understand is once you have relationships with people or meet people that you have a shared passion with or something in common with, you you care more, you're more curious. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's clearly demonstrated just throughout your life, Sheena, because your husband is from a different neighborhood and you all have relocated to a new neighborhood. And now um, if you all have children or will have children, they're going to have a, a different experience. So I wanted to know if you both can speak to the aspect of um, the personal connection, how that influenced your decision to participate and and maybe also share one of the more meaningful parts of the experience that, that you had. Okay. Just looking back, um, my cousin and my younger cousin, was actually, you know, born in Inglewood. And I can remember a time in the late 70s, here I date myself, you know, when we went over when Lil Clarence was born right there in Inglewood. And at that time in the late 70s, uh, early 80s, there was no issue at all about jumping up, you know, taking that red line over into Inglewood and going over there and visit. Absolutely. I didn't think twice about just taking care of business and, uh, uh, you know, just visiting family and such. And so uh, since that time, uh, uh, many things have happened. Uh, you know, I've since, of course, 
I've been here on the uh, north side. Uh, uh, ironically, I live in Uptown, but my ward is technically mostly Inglewood, but also includes uh, Andersonville as well. So we have, you know, like, you know, like uh, a lot of culture and, uh, like we said, you know, museums and restaurants and such uh, that are there. So I have uh, always been interested in seeing if I can make a difference with not only with uh, the folks in the communities of Edgewater, but also in uh, Uptown in particular, and uh, also in Andersonville, uh, because uh, we just came off a few tours. We came off of uh, the one that the church took in Bronzeville. I personally just gave a tour of Uptown, mm. you know, for uh, uh, actually it was uh, Chicago semester students and our congregations to come and enjoy and see some of the sites of Uptown. So here again, you know, this is part of the sweet spot of, of, of living and also having retired out of University of Illinois Chicago UIC mm -hmm. and being able to have the time to uh, begin to understand some of these uh, uh, neighborhoods and communities a lot better and seeing mm -hmm. if I can be a part of what can make the difference in bringing up some of this inequity. Before we go to your answer, Sheena, I just wanted to ask Mike, so when you were giving these tours and, and when you also participated, in um, you know the the Action Kid tour, mm -hmm. what were some of the questions that people asked, or or what was some of the information that people found most interesting to you? Well, uh, I was asking, you know, how long they had been there, and uh, oftentimes folks had uh, left the community and then came back; mm -hmm. uh, they had re returned or even like relocated, but then came back to the community to build, uh, such as what uh, Christian Community Development Association, uh, CCDA, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, one of the things that they advocate is for those who have left their community uh, to, uh, to be prompted to come back and see what they can do to help build some of those mm -hmm. five factors five drivers of community development. And to clarify, which neighborhood are you referring to in relationship to people wanting to know if people came back or where these were? Inglewood. Uh, I, you know, talked to a few people. Okay, I talked to uh, my brother Rich, you know, who runs the garage downstairs. He lives in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. And I talked to, well, I, I referred to Pastor Jay, in which I didn't get a chance to talk to him, Pastor uh, Jonathan uh, Brooks in yeah. Inglewood, and I didn't get a chance to talk to him per se, but uh, we have worked together here again. He is uh, uh, affiliated with the Christian Community Development Association, the mm. CCDA. He's even written a book. I could refer to his book and all the things that they have done in sustainability there in Inglewood and also the church-based program the community mm -hmm. development and empowerment that they've had down there, you know, uh, the many, many things, those three 
R's that they speak about with the relocation, redistribution of the economic, uh, you, you know, uh, systems there, yeah. seeing what we can do, and the whole part of reconciliation, trying to, you know, come together and mend some of these, these uh, uh, issues like the red line and not mm -hmm. being able to get the loans for your homes and houses and property. And so uh, all of those things, of course, are immense, big, big issues that mm -hmm. we can only bite on a little bit of a time. Yeah. So uh, those things mean a whole lot. And Pastor Jay, you yes. know, he He's a is a great just, friend of mine and uh, a pillar of the community here. And uh, he does amazing work and his um, congregation, they're deeply yes. embedded in the community. So. Another another way in which we are connected and didn't know until we met through this engagement. The other day, right. <laughs> so it shows you the power of um, relationships mm -hmm. in disrupting these systems. So Sheena, would you be able to share um, one of the most meaningful parts of, of the experience for you personally? Yeah. Um... I'm glad I'm glad you brought up like the relationships because um, as I was thinking about it before this panel, I was I was talking about it with my husband. I was like, you know, like I like I don't I don't think it really was like in this experience that I um, what's the word I don't know or like might leap right like my eyes weren't open to the segregation in Chicago in this experience. Like I I was exposed to it before and it, mm -hmm. and if I had to pinpoint it, it probably was um, in my my husband. My husband is my high school sweetheart. So um, I went to a selective enrollment high school. I went to Walter Payton. Um, and so there was kids coming from all over the cities. And, and that was really my exposure because I, I was a North Sider. I, I grew up um, in Portage Park, Belmont, Cragen area. Um, and that was kind of it. And so uh, high school was kind of my first time going further south and then meeting people. It, it took meeting, meeting my husband, meeting friends from the south side and um, that yeah, I think that's when my eyes were kind of open to, um, okay, there's a whole other world um, on, on this other side of the city and why doesn't it look like mine and why is it so different? And um, and so to go back to this question, like what was the uh, one of the most meaningful parts of my experience? I think it was um, seeing people um, in my church community. Um, I don't know if they're watching, but like uh, Don and Gary um, who live in the suburbs who are not brown or or black like they um and having them um come go to home and square and we actually had um, a member from our congregation um shay who actually knew a lot about the area because she lived not too far from there and i i don't know just being able to see and i feel like that like seeing that connection seeing that relationship like oh like i go to church with this person like every week mm -hmm. and i feel like um, and, and I don't want to speak for them, but I feel like it, it makes it so much more real. Like, oh, like, I feel like they would have been more attentive, or at least for me. Yeah, I was more attentive. And she kind of ended up kind of giving a little to her, was able to speak a lot to the neighborhood that we walked in. Um, and it just meant so much more because, yeah, I, I know this person. I see this person every week. I, I pray with this person. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's so much more real and, and that's all it kind of takes, right? Is just to, to know, meet a person, um, yeah. meet the actual people that are in these areas. I'm glad you um, shared with us your 
diverse high school experience because that is also my experience. And, you know, I think no one else understands how I could have come up with a project like the Folded Map better than people who went to a high school in Chicago, public high school, that was diverse. And it was only, it's only a handful, especially in the 90s. But even for those who experienced it more recently, they get it, you know, because it's so few places in Chicago where you can be fully immersed in the diversity that exists in this city. And so if you, I feel, are lucky enough to experience that in your teen years, it really does transform your worldview, like beyond the city. Like you start to think like, wow, if I didn't know this about my own city, like what are other places? Um, and, and, and it really does heighten the importance of friendships and relationships with people in different neighborhoods that I personally feel that if I did not go to high school um, at a diverse high school, it would have taken me much longer in life as a Chicagoan to kind of get and understand that point. And so for me, one of the takeaways of not only creating the project, but doing it, doing the actual project, because I started the project with one intention to prove to people segregation and inequity exists. Like, and I'm going to show you visually. That was the intention. Mm -hmm. But as I started to photograph the address and do the project, um, I met people, people outside of the diverse social network that I had. And I literally thought like people outside of my social network, they're not going to care about this. But that was not true. I met more people who did. Um, and that changed the direction of the project and allowed me to really sit and think about creating map twins, people who met each other that didn't know each other. And so I was able to expand my own personal view of understanding that people who live in over-resourced neighborhoods, um, they do care. They just don't know how to really make an impact on their personal lives in regards to these large systemic issues. And so the project became a tool in which they could. And so I just wanted to know, you know, I just shared just one of my takeaways from, you know, being the creator of the project. Um, you know, could you share some of the takeaways that you had? And and how did it make you feel? And even if you were exposed to or had these thoughts about segregation prior to participating in the expansion of the project, just share maybe some of the takeaways in having a project that embodied kind of what you already thought and knew about Chicago but sometimes it's hard to, you know, communicate. So just share with, with us some of the takeaways and, and how it made you, how it made you feel. One of the things that jumps out at me is this whole approach of asset community development. You know, how, when, you know, if just listening to the people, even if it's just happenstance, 
like uh, Tanika, like you just happen to be taking photos of you know of, of uh, buildings and such, and you just happen to have these impromptu conversations. You know that part of that stimulus, you know, brings about well, what's more to it? What other gifts, talents, and treasures and assets are right there in the community that we could uh, access and use and grow and identify to work to our my favor or to our, our favor or to the neighborhood's favor? You know, maybe, you know, like the folks in one's community like Inglewood or even, you know, like uh, uh, Edgewater, they seem to know better what the community needs and where their assets are without even where the diamonds in the roughs are. And yeah. so I just, you know, constantly searching for that diamond in the rough. Mm. Basically, that's the way I feel because it's always some, some, uh, I look at D Rose coming out of uh, uh, Inglewood, yeah. and you know, and I look at these diamonds just coming out of it, you know, and they are uh, protected and the neighborhood knows and looking out. If we can just continue to identify those and just develop those and grow those, uh, that makes me feel good about trying to make a difference to be able to mm -hmm. see that gift, talent, and treasure and asset. No, thank you for that, Mike. You bring up a, a, a good point um, before we get to Sheena's answer, just the point of um, what I hear you saying is you know, uh, the people who are from specific neighborhoods and particularly neighborhoods that are viewed negatively, um, you know, just to be frank and honest, Inglewood has a very um, horrible reputation, not only just in the city, but even internationally, people are knowing about this neighborhood in Chicago that's, that's horrible. And um, that's their view of it. And so what I hear you saying is that, you know, getting to know people who are from a specific neighborhood um, who has gifts and talents can really inspire people to think different about that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. No other city knows that better than Chicago, because when we talk about neighborhoods, we're really talking about people. Because <laughs> the first thing we all ask each other, where are you from? Where, where, where neighborhood are you from? Or what high school did you go to? Like, like it's astrology. Like, what does that tell us about people? Like, why do we do that? But we do. And so I really appreciate you acknowledging that mm -hmm. um, knowing about uh the talents and contributions of people who are from a specific community, uh, how that can help you think differently about it. And so, mm -hmm. Gina, you know, could you share with us, you know, some of the takeaways or, or how this project um, participating in it made you feel, especially uh, you observing the connection when you all did that tour in Home and Square. So if there's anything else that you, would like to elaborate on. Yeah. Um, yeah, what you said is so real. Um, and I was about to say like something similar, like we need to, like the same way we just need to humanize, right? Like, um, like, like racism, like we just need to humanize black, like black people, like black, black lives matter. Like the same, 
I was thinking like the same way we just need to humanize. It's sad that we need to say that, but like humanize like the black people, people who are mm-hmm. our, our own, um, right? Like humanizing these neighborhoods, like um, in a way, like, and it was so powerful, like like how simple it was to just go visit and, and think about it as a neighborhood and not like mm-hmm. going back to when, when I was like living on the, or like growing up and um, all I associated the South side of Chicago with was just that's where the black people are. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't, like we don't have family there, we don't go there, um, and, mm-hmm. and it's dangerous, and that's you know it's on the news and it's scary. Um, mm-hmm. To like, if you just go there and you just think like it's, think about it as a neighborhood. This is where people live. Like, think it was, it was refreshing to think like, oh, like where is the grocery store, and like, or, like think about these mm-hmm. things. Um, and I don't know how how simple and yeah it can be and. No, I appreciate you um, expressing the simplicity of thinking about neighborhoods you have been taught to view a specific way as just neighborhoods. And also what I really value is the fact that um, there was an omission from you of growing up thinking a particular way about the South Side. And so I think that's such an important piece of the puzzle is that as we move towards trying to disrupt segregation and and expand the way people think about race and Chicago in their own life, um, having really honest conversations where people can admit they have been programmed to think a certain way about a neighborhood or a group of people. And what you shared is, to me, one of the more important takeaways that people can have in thinking about not only just folding map as a project, but just segregation in this city. Like, how and why do we think what we think about certain neighborhoods? And then admitting it, because you have to have some truth telling in order to create a real viable solution. And if being told specific things about a neighborhood is the barrier in you engaging with a neighborhood, then that's necessary to know. Mm-hmm. And so I just appreciate you sharing that that powerful takeaway. Um, you know, kind of to extend that question a little bit more, um, did this project or just having the month-long engagement with the ministry of your church and this project together, did it share any new insight into Chicago segregation or into how you want your city to be and how you want to live life? Um, Because for me, doing the actual project, uh, it really helped me learn how to articulate the fact that Chicago's historic segregation, I feel, doesn't reflect how we want to be or interact today. And even though all of the reports, everything will show you, yes, we are segregated. (laughs) I don't feel that that's how we want to be. And there's so many other creative ways in which residents have disrupted segregation beyond the Folded Map Project. I just think Chicago is the perfect place 
for people to refer to as an example of how residents, individuals, organizations constantly fight against segregation. Because just even in high school, we fight it by building relationships with people that we weren't introduced to or would not have been introduced to. So I just wanted to know if you could share any new insight into Chicago segregation that you have now, um, or just share with people how you would like your life in the city to, to be. I can think of two things uh, right away. Um, like I said, uh, I've been in uh, um, the uptown Edgewater area some 39 years now, but uh, there was an opportunity, you know, for me to work with our Margate Park uh, Block Club and uh, to also, you know, work with my Buttercup Park Advisory Council uh, with the park, you know, developing programs and that. And so I found that one of the key things is creativity. You know, let's explore, let's brainstorm. What can we do together, be it a hybrid program to bring neighborhoods together? And here's what we did with our Buttercup Park Advisory Council. When we showed Black Panther, which I just saw yesterday and I enjoyed it. It was on uh, TBS or one of them channels. I was waiting on the baseball game. But uh, we were able to bring a drum corps from Inglewood, and I don't can't remember the name of it. They were like stair steps, you know, almost like the five stair. They were stair steps. They had the older brothers who was playing the drums and the little ones that were playing. And we bought them in when we celebrated our fifth year uh, renovation of the park. And those kids made me so proud. Of course, they woke up the neighborhood, you know, playing their drums and everything. It was kind of like a, a pre-movie thing. And then we had Black Panther, and I think I had more fun than the kids. <laughs> so uh, the whole point is to seek out some creative ways that you can come and share or exchange mm -hmm. culture and food and art and all those nuances that can be appreciated by both. Mm -hmm. And let's seek out these resources that can make that happen. Because we made that happen and we'll bring those kids back. Mm -hmm. And they did come back. They came back for, you know, the uh, Chinese New Year's. You know, the the Inglewood, the, those, the drum cue, they came and they played for in the parade for the Chinese New Year's Day. Oh, that's so beautiful. You see? Oh, yeah, and no. uh, I love that it. kind of creativity, that's that's the insight that I I, I share. No, I that that is really um such a beautiful example because what it also speaks to is not only what are the ways in which we can expand our own social networks, even as we fight all of these systemic issues, uh, but really to amplify and uplift the importance of relationships in this fight is also thinking of ways, how neighborhoods can think of ways to invite others in. Um, think of ways to make your neighborhood a welcome place for others, you know, because it can't just be you know, one side or one way, um, really just thinking about how a neighborhood, regardless of 
what it's experiencing, how to be able to invite others. And I think that the example you gave is, is a great demonstration of that because you don't always have to go to another neighborhood right away to um, understand it or feel connected to it. You can literally meet someone from that neighborhood and have them feel welcomed in your space to start to understand exactly. where, they, where they're from a little bit more. And sometimes that's just that's just enough to kind of open the door for, for other possibilities. So thank you for sharing that beautiful example. And and what about you, Sheena? Um, you you have your built-in folded map in your actual house, you know. With yeah, the, yeah with I was your, gonna say, I don't know if I can answer, you know? <laughs> but we, like, I need this, right? Like, I, I like I so I'm Filipino and Puerto Rican and I already shared what a blend oh my goodness (laughs) Um, are your parents from Chicago no so that's another like another layer I'm in I'm second and third generation so my dad moved here from the Philippines um, when he was 16 and my mom is uh, second generation Puerto Rican so my grandma well she lives in Puerto Rico now but they came here Um, and then my parents met in Chicago they met in Chicago, yes. See, I feel like that blend right there, that's another example of how that could really that could only happen in Chicago, Chicago right? That's yeah. such a Chicago blend right there. I feel like you understand me on so many levels. Like, that's why listen, I can't leave because... Listen, let me tell you, my Filipino friends in high school, as a 14-year-old Black girl coming from Inglewood, I yeah. thought Filipinos were Latino because they're Latino. Yes. <laughs> And yes. so, and so I started to meet some who were blend blended like you. I was like, "Oh, now this is real confusing now." <laughs> oh yeah, I am. But yeah. but yeah, I totally get it. I get it. That's a Chicago That's combo right there. <laughs> I'm like, I've learned so much about myself in this conversation. Yeah, like that's probably why I can't leave because I'm just truly a product of the city. And so that's me, right? And then there's my husband, who's black and Chinese. Uh, which is why he lives in Canaryville. Look at that. Put pieces together. Yeah. And so our babies are going to have major identity issues. And like, I need to find. So, yeah. So, I don't know if I have an answer to this question, but like, That's I, need, hilarious. I need to find this answer. This has been on my mind for so long. Um, it's yeah, such no, a beautiful um, <laughs> example of. Chicago too. Like really? Yeah, so I know we're gonna live in Chicago. I just need to find a neighborhood. <laughs> and so I don't know. Like that's literally been on my mind. I'm like, I I, I have these goals, like I yeah. like we don't want to stay here. Maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah. but I, I know I wanna like get a house, I wanna have kids. Yeah. Where do we raise them? I don't know. Um because yeah. again, Chicago. I mean, in Chicago. I'll put in a word in for Rogers Park. We've okay. got everybody up here. <laughs> I know, but what you're what you're bringing up, Sheena, um, is a very important factor as to why um, segregation is bad for a city. You know, mm-hmm. um, yes, there should be neighborhoods. If they end up being homogenous, that's okay. It's okay to live in neighborhoods where people look alike. That's that's mm-hmm. fine too. But when you're in a diverse city, <laughs> there also should be diverse options. Uh, neighborhoods where diversity that reflects the actual diversity in the city exists. And unfortunately in Chicago, we don't have that. 
So families who are blended like you and blended, you know, um, across racial lines, um, nationalities, um, we have that here in Chicago. Mm. But for people who want their neighborhood to be reflective of that Chicago experience for their children, where do they go? You know, and that's that's unfortunately a reason that um, people would leave Chicago, you know, really thinking about where they want, what neighborhood would they Mm -hmm. want to live in for their their children, the future family that they want. And then also, you know, for for teenagers in this city who are going to go away to college, like them actually thinking about coming back. So you you raise a really important point, which, you know, once you move beyond the relationship building, thinking about planting roots Mm -hmm. and and the considerations people have to make in order to make that decision, you know, Mm -hmm. and who you live around, what's available for your children, what you want to have access to, all of that influences where you end up living, which is why it's important for each neighborhood to be invested in fairly and equitably so we can have more options. So without you even bringing it up, Sheena, you really, you you did like give insight into housing and how it connects Mm -hmm. to housing and segregation. No, go Mm -hmm. ahead, Mike. Yes, I, you know, as you were, you know, talking, I was just thinking about how important representation is, empowerment and leadership development as such. Because even though, like I was just speaking about uh, the Park Advisory Council and, you know, things like the School Board Council, we need representation in a lot of those little civic organizations so that uh, the young ones can be recognized Mm -hmm. and identified. And their leadership and organizational skills are developed. It's important to be able to see that, but not only see it, to have the representation that we need on these various civic boards and school boards and mm-hmm. and such, because we need the voice of these young folks, you know, who aren't even born yet to yeah. come up, uh, upward bound, you know, just like the program, upward bound. They need to come up and be able to speak for the people who cannot necessarily speak for themselves. No, that's true. And so I, and I just then, think. Of, oh, sorry. Oh no, that's okay. I, 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 I saw Hannah double dutching. Oh, you know, trying to. <laughs> 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 go, go if ahead, there Hannah. were resources everywhere, right? That like I I question even the framing of trying to find people because what if there were resources everywhere? I think that's one of been my big takeaways from the from the month is like how small our imaginations can sometimes. Yeah get. Um, Like I, I preached last week and I just said, you know, cause we're figuring out our budget as a city. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if we made the number one goal of our budget doing whatever we needed to do to make sure that no young person got shot in this city and then everything else came next. Right. What if like mm-hmm. jobs, housing, therapy, for say for youth was the number one budget item. We spent as much mm-hmm. as we needed on that. 
And then everybody else got the leftovers. Every other project was project number three. Every other project was project number 30, right? Like what if we imagined our responsibility as a city that way? And a woman in the church came up to me after and she works in violence prevention. She works with young people. And she was like, I had forgotten that we could ask for more, right? Like I had forgotten that the way things are is a choice because I spend so much time trying Mm -hmm. to fix the edges of the way things are. like. We could make different choices. No, we can. And and I love what you're saying about like stretching the imagination specifically for solutions, you Mm -hmm. know, and really understanding that if we prioritize racism in our city, it would actually help heal all of the other issues that our city is struggling with. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we would benefit. And it's to Mm -hmm. the point that everyone would benefit because Mm -hmm. just think about, um, you know, just how segregated we are. That's impacting all of us. Yes, some more negatively than others, but it's still impacting all of us. There's people who are growing up not even having access or feeling like they can't even learn about a rich part of the city, the South and West sides. Like, how how much more amazing and, and colorful would your life be <laughs> had you been exposed to the complete side of the city? You know, mm-hmm. and so I really, I really appreciate you talking about just stretching the imagination of what solutions could be and how we even approach thinking about solving these issues, which is why I appreciate you all sharing your particular stories because um, it is also prioritizing relationships in that as well. You know, if we figure out a way to bridge these divides, just creating spaces where people can meet each other um, and learn about each other, that also can help solve a lot of the um, issues that our city is facing. Because just financially, as a city, it's good business to have all of your neighborhoods destination places. Like, mm-hmm. like it actually is good business for the city. Like, you want more homeowners in all of the neighborhoods. You mm-hmm. want more tourist attractions in all of the neighborhoods. Like, it literally is to the point where it doesn't make sense for for this to not be really solved with significant financial contributions and investment by the city. Like we're a world-class city. Tanika. Let's do uh, it. Uh, Mike, sorry. Okay. I I just wanted to invite the audience. um, If you would like to submit any questions for Q&A. Oh, we did forget about them, didn't we? Oh, that's right. Okay. We just thought we were talking to each other. (laughs) We're going to keep talking because we have lots to talk about. But if there is any question you have or anything you want to note, please, you can do that in the YouTube or Facebook comments. And we'll share that. And we'll share that with whoever you want us to share it with. Um, So, Mike, what were you going to say? Well, I was thinking about, you know, as... um, I was reading and just looking over uh, the questions. Uh, I looked at the five aldermen or alderwomen in Inglewood, and I looked at our one alderman, you know, Harry Osman in 48. And I said, well, why don't those five aldermen just take one of those five community development drivers, which is housing, 
-hmm. economic development, uh, arts and culture, mm -hmm. uh, faith-based organizations, and uh, it was, it's one last one, but it's five community drivers. If each one of the owners would just take the lead on, on each on each and every one of those, yes, maybe something can happen as the five come together uh, in Inglewood. Or we could commit to Inglewood getting the same representation that almost every other neighborhood in the city gets of a person. I know, I know or, easier or, said or, than done. Or the money, the money. Yeah, the, right. money, the money is the you bring up a good point, and there's a wonderful organization that's kind of helping bolster just the possibility of what, um, you know, having an unfragment, alderman, unfragmented neighborhood um, through aldermatic wards, uh, the Chicago Advisory Redistricting Commission. Um, they're helping Chicagoans um, articulate their reimagining of what neighborhoods could look like if they had less representation um, for particular neighborhoods. And Greater Inglewood is one of them. We're one of the few neighborhoods that have more than four aldermen. And I think the ones, the aldermen that we have now, they really are starting to uh, change what or how aldermen have operated in Greater Inglewood before. Um, with this group of aldermen, this is the first time that um, all of them have come together to host like a community meeting. Um, mm -hmm. They did that for the first time last year. So there is some change starting to happen. Um, but you raise a good point. You know, there's also that fragmentation. So not mm -hmm. only segregation, <laughs> mm -hmm. but the aldermatic fragmentation that unfortunately some of the more disinvested neighborhoods in Chicago are, are experiencing. And that is part of it as well. One thing I wanted to, um, this was from your last question, Shanika, and we've got a couple more minutes, so we'll let questions come in. So I also want to invite Mike and Sheena, if you all have any questions. Think oh, of yeah. You, can we go backwards? <laughs> um, it, like, it seems, it seems to me from this conversation and just from experience, right, that like one of the major things to address the segregation of our city is simply investing differently, right? It's just, it's literally the money. It's literally the bus schedule. Like let's mm -hmm. change those things and let's work to change those things. Mm -hmm. But something that has surprised me and came up again, as I was doing this project as a white person with white kids um, is how insidious the voice of segregation is even apart from the, from the conditional systems of politics. Mm -hmm. So like, we sort of made this commitment early on in our life that we wanted our kids to go to integrated schools, which we defined as like public schools that given the city we live in are less than 50% white. We, and we were like, that's a high bar even for the city of Chicago. Yeah. I have been shocked at how many people along the way have tried to move us off that path, right? Oh, yeah. Pe people saying like, oh, but there's a gifted program over here. And the first thing we did was we looked at the racial program, the racial breakdown of the gifted program. And I was like, but that's a 60% white school. That makes it a segregation school, right? <laughs> like, isn't like, isn't that what it does? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the number of our really well-meaning family members, mm -hmm. right, who have said to us, but shouldn't you move here? Or shouldn't you try this? Or shouldn't you out of what they believe is like welfare and love for our family and for our yeah. children? And had I not, had someone not taught me the language to, to express what I did want for my kids, 
All I would have was people telling me that something else would be better and me not understanding what I was valuing, right? Which is what I'm valuing is them having a full community full of all Mm -hmm. the kinds of people God made and all the kinds of people who live in their city. And that is a value, right? Like value and you're prioritizing your life decisions and conversations with people according to that, which allows you the opportunity to hear what the pushback is. And I think um, my amazing Folded Map uh, partner, Dr. Maria Creason, um, expresses that so eloquently in, in her book, Cycle of Segregation, how if you do not understand this, how this systemic Uh, segregation works, and then prioritize your own value system according to that and express it, you won't be able to filter what people, how people are telling you things that will ultimately perpetuate segregation again. Because you you are able to tell your family, no, I, I want my children to also have a complete social experience that is reflective of being in a diverse city. If you didn't start saying that, then you wouldn't have been able to understand, oh, they really don't want me to do this. <laughs> but it also not, it doesn't speak to, yeah, it doesn't speak to them being malicious. It serves as an example of how people make decisions and why segregation and stereotypes are going to be perpetuated because people make decisions based off of those things. Crime in a neighborhood, how a school, if you're going to move into a neighborhood because of schools, you know, these are, these are the pillars. And if we don't get that right, then segregation will be perpetuated. Stereotypes will be perpetuated. So, you know, it's really important um, point that you bring up with that. And just to communicate to people how it feels, because it'll you it's a strong river, the desire to maintain segregation and inequality. And so you will feel like you're resisting something if you start to live in a different way, right? And it'll feel weird inside of your soul and it'll feel weird inside of your body and know that like it feeling bad and different from the rest of how your friends are evaluating things like doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It might mean that you figured something out that you can help them figure out, right? Totally, totally. No, it's it's true. And so I don't want to forget any questions that... Uh, I think Mike and Sheena might have for me. Yeah. I've just been asking you all questions the entire time. Are there any questions that that you all have for me? I was just wondering, well, I know you're affiliated with the UIC. Yes. But what community college, I can't remember, it's not Malcolm X. Which community college is, is, is in Inglewood? Um, so the city colleges that are in Inglewood is Kennedy King. Kennedy King. Yeah. I think we are we working strongly with Kennedy King in uh, developing, you know, some of these drivers of community development, uh, which the key one that I was forgetting was sustainability. In other words, you know, like the the clean food, clean air, clean water, uh, clean uh, uh Uh, living conditions, you know, uh, are we working with Kennedy King on those community development drivers? 
Yes. So um, an amazing organization, community-based, resident-led organization called RAGE. Um, I'm one of the many co-founders, but the lead co-founder is Aisha Butler. And RAGE, Resident Association uh, of Greater Inglewood, they have been constantly working for the past 10 years to help build um, the relationships between specific pillars in Greater Inglewood that are connected to the city. And having an improved relationship with Kennedy King has been one of their priorities, which they have managed to really turn into a fruitful relationship because it, it Kennedy King was not yes. really embedded um, relationally into the neighborhood, but because of the amazing organizations in Greater Inglewood, Teamwork Inglewood, Red Rage, um, IEI, Imagine Inglewood If, um, the relationship with Kennedy King is much better now. So community organizations great. host events at Kennedy King um, for mm. um, community gatherings or meetings, whereas that was not the case. That's what I'm talking. Ten years about. ago, but now it definitely it definitely is. But that is as a result of the work of uh, community organizations mm. in Greater Inglewood mm. forcing that to happen, mm. and then also staff at Kennedy King, new staff, understanding that that should be a priority because they will benefit from it as well. So that is something that um, has improved over the past decade. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Any questions from you, Sheena? Um, no pressure if nothing is on the heart. Nothing came to mind, but I do just want to share, like hearing you like talk about all those organizations that brought me back to that studio project that I mentioned, uh, which was about Inglewood. And I'm like, yeah, I remember, like, we were always like on Rage's like Instagram and looking up all these organizations and reading about all the things that they were doing. And uh, it just makes makes me think more of um, to what we talked about during this conversation of, because mm -hmm. I'm aware of those organizations, right? Because I like followed those Instagram accounts. Um, I have that, I like, I feel like I, like now when I think about Inglewood, I think like what an like awesome neighborhood that's on its way. Like I, I think about these organizations, I think about Tanika Johnson, I think about the people who are working there and um, like how great would it be if, I don't know, like now I'm like, maybe I should just look up organizations and other neighborhoods or just like, I, I want like a feed of just cool things like that all yeah. over the city. Um, no, you just you yeah. like I paid you for this segue, Sheena. <laughs> it's so perfect. The last right? thing we wanted to say before the end, because we're we are going to stop in five minutes, we told our panelists 415, is um, a couple ways you can take action if you'd like to get involved is for those of you who weren't at church the last month or didn't get to do these walks, Folded Map has incredible action kits that you can use any day of the week, any hour of your life to do this on your own. And we really encourage you to do so. There's physical packets that you can get sent to your house of how to do it. For and free. For free. For free. For zero dollars. No dollars. <laughs> um, and there's an online PDF that's incredible. And that's all at, it's foldedmap.org. It's foldedmapproject.com foldedmapproject.com. <laughs> Let me get that right. foldedmapproject.com. So please do that. And the other step that a couple of our folks have taken, Block Club Chicago, which is a hyperlocal local news resource, has different newsletters for each neighborhood in the city. And we've encouraged people to pick one or two neighborhoods that you don't live in and mm -hmm. sign up for that so that this isn't going to end today. 
but that you can keep thinking about and keep getting embedded in neighborhoods that aren't yours in the days and weeks to come. You can also get involved in our justice work if you want to take um, action towards changing city and state policy. Either um, Just Economy is working on some housing stuff or our policing police brutality team um, has been working on the contract. Now that ACPS is done, you can get involved with that. Let Urban Village know. Tonika, is there any other way that people can support you as an artist or support the Folded Map Project, right? Things take money. So if she's not going to say it, I'm going to say you can donate to the Folded Map Project to make it happen and to make it more possible. Or are there any other kinds of support that we can end with that this community can offer to you? Um, yes, just, you know, doing kind of what Sheena um, closed out saying, you know, people have the power to change what their world, what their social network looks like. And we also have the power to do that in the virtual space. You can change your algorithm. You can start liking and connecting with people outside of your existing social network that will change how your newsfeed looks. So with that being said, um, definitely sharing about Folded Map or the Action Kit with your social network uh, will really help serve as a bridge into networks that I might not be able to access or wouldn't access. So that's how we can continue this um, expanding the connectivity. So definitely just sharing on, on social media um, and letting people know about the project. That is one significant way because in doing that, if people want to donate, they will. If people know that they can donate or about the project, then they will. So I would definitely say just sharing that that's that's more than enough. Use your algorithm, folks. That's the word. And, and change, <laughs> change the algorithm. Change it to be better. Um, just a final word here. We. Um, you can, we preached in worship about these kinds of topics all the last four weeks. And in one of them, we preached on the, the scripture where um, Nathaniel is suspicious that Jesus can be who he says he is, that he can be a Messiah, that he can be of worth, that he can be of good, because he says, he's from Nazareth. <laughs> what good ever came out of there? What good <laughs> ever came out of Nazareth? Stereotyping. I know, exactly. That's stereotyping. Part of what we know as followers of Jesus is that we are called to love our neighbors and that there is no neighborhood out of which great good has not, does not, and will not come. What Jesus says to Nathaniel is come and see. And so we will encourage you, every neighborhood, every city, if you're not from Chicago, I guarantee you there's a different locus and direction of segregation in your city that you would go and see whatever it is you don't already know to become accountable to it and to become a lover of it and to become a good neighbor to those things that you don't already know that Jesus is inviting you to know. Mm -hmm. Huge thank you to Tanika Lewis Johnson, Mike oh. Chow. We are so grateful for all of you. <laughs> um, if anyone has any questions, let us know and do that Folded Map Project at home. Oh, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.